0: Slash James. Netsuite.com slash James. As you guys know, I've been fascinated by the political elections, not only the ones coming up, but every political election. And now I've been able to also, uh, I've been betting on the elections pretty hard, going pretty hard at it because of my inside information guy, Phil Stutz, who's campaign manager for dozens of elections in this upcoming race. And just to kind of place my bets for the final week, I'm up about 30 or 40% since he last came on the podcast. And just to kind of tweak and adjust my bets for the final week, I've asked him on again to give us his guidance on what will happen on election day next week. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. So Phil, I know this is a busy time for you. One week before the elections, how many campaigns altogether are you involved in? Is your company involved in managing?
1: That's a really good question. Um, I have a spreadsheet. That's up the easiest right now. question
0: I have. <laughs> the, I
1: you would think I would know. There's so there are a lot. So um, I would have to pull my spreadsheet up and and look it out. And now all of a sudden, my computer is not letting me do that.
0: So roughly, governor, senator, congressman races. Yeah. How many of those? Uh,
1: let's see. We've got three U.S. Senate, three uh, governor, and um. And then a ton of congressional races and then state ballots and a lot of other things around the country.
0: Like, if, if someone was running for like state Senate, like not US Senate, but state Senate, how much would it cost to like hire your company to run the campaign? That's a really
1: good question because we've kind of
0: stopped doing a lot of the
1: really small races because there's just, we can't, we almost can't make money on it. And, um, and we like the bigger races. Obviously, it's, um, It's more fun. It's more at stake and all that stuff. So um, I'm going right now.
0: So I'm going to tell you this. We're around 65 different races right now around the country. Oh, my gosh. So you're incredibly busy, but thank you for coming on the podcast. You have your finger on the pulse. I'm just going to quickly ask you a bunch of questions related to next week's elections. I think all your predictions last time seem to have come through. Like, first off, and this is not political in the sense of, just because you believe someone's going to win a race doesn't mean this podcast or you believes in that what that person says or opinions this is just about essentially for me this is about gambling right now now yes i care who wins different races but that has nothing to do with who will win who i care wins has nothing to do with who will win so a lot of the predictions about who will win and what parties will win that you predicted a month ago have come true and i know and the reason i know this is because I made bets on every single one of your predictions and I'm up like 30 or 40% right now. So <laughs> I owe you a, a nice steak dinner. Well, next we time should we start a, a
1: political gambling hedge fund. Come on.
0: I know. Well, you know, I've talked to people who are interested in political gambling hedge funds, but there's no place on the world I can find where you can bet in size. You know, like even predict.org, right. you're limited like $1,000 per bet. Right. I don't know, and I looked at Las Vegas. It's not allowed, um, but I'm still looking around. So it looks like the Republicans are going to take the House and the Senate. That's pretty yeah. obvious. Uh, well, not the Senate, but the House for sure. Well, okay, what what are the questionable ones in the Senate?
1: Well, when we last talked, we said there are seven. Uh, basically, there were seven races that were toss-ups, Right. The, yeah. There were four de- Republic four races that Republicans had to defend.
0: Phil, can I interrupt you? The the, mm-hmm. the three races that you call toss ups, I felt have now moved in the red direction.
1: Yeah,
0: um, Georgia, sure. Arizona, Pennsylvania. That's right.
1: That's right. So the there were there were seven toss ups. Four were the Republicans had to defend. They have to win those if they want to get the majority back. I can safely say that three of them are. Done. I mean, they're 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 off the board. They're are going to be Republican wins. It's Ohio, Wisconsin, and North Carolina. The Pennsylvania race is a defense because it is a Republican held seat right now, but it's leaning. I mean, it, since the the Fetterman, um, Dr. Oz debate, it has swung heavy on the Republican side. Um, and then, really, you were right. There's three. Uh, there's actually three pickup opportunities. This is where the majority comes in state, because right now we have a 50 Republican, 48 Democrat, and two independent Senate. The two independent Senate in the Senate are uh, Angus King of Maine, he, he caucuses with the Democrats, and Bernie, he caucuses with the Democrats. And then the tiebreaker is Kamala, right? The Vice President of the United States. So that's yeah. why they have the majority, even though it's a 50-50 Senate. Yeah. And so these, the Republicans have to defend, and then they've got to pick up a net one to win the majority and right now the one defense that's on the on the on the sort of the fence right now is the pennsylvania race the fetterman versus oz and that is swinging heavily towards oz going into this last few days georgia the controversies and scandals around herschel walker have actually seen it benefit herschel walker so How, how could that be like some of those scandals are pretty horrific Right. I, I think people are seeing it and saying this is politics. Whether it's true or not, I'm not defending true or not. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah What I'm saying know. is, in the voters' minds, it's almost hard in the stance that, that we have to make some kind of change. And so you're seeing that race, um, the momentum is going towards Herschel Walker. In Nevada, Adam Laxalt is a pickup seat that's held, being held by the Democrats right now. And he has consistently led in in almost every single poll for the last month. So you would see that as a pickup. And then the real the two that are to me the three on the fence right now are Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Arizona. It's going to come down to those three hands down. Nothing else. Everything else is pretty much locked in. So Arizona, you basically have Blake Masters down nine points. You know, six weeks ago, and he's either down one or two or tied in every poll now. And then you've got Georgia, which we just talked about in Pennsylvania, we talked about. So that's really what's going to come what down. What were the first three? Ohio, Wisconsin, and what else? The Republicans have to defend Ohio, Wisconsin, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania. But Ohio, J.D. Vance is going to win that. Wisconsin, Ron Johnson is going to win that. North Carolina is going to be a defense for Republicans, and they're, they're, they're going to win that one. And I believe Nevada right now is off the board with Adam Laxalt. And so now you've got three that are toss-ups, but they're all leaning and have continued momentum-wise to go towards the Republican candidate.
0: It's interesting the effect Peter Thiel has quietly on, on all of these races. Like Blake Masters, obviously, was his co-author on Zero to One, and that's the Arizona candidate. And J.D. Vance, yep. at least according to the debates that I watched for the Ohio, Ohio debates, Tim Ryan and J.D. And Vance, Tim Ryan was saying JD Vance got 15 million from Peter Thiel. Yeah, your boy um Tim Ryan is not going to win. You know, and I feel it's it's first off whether or not I I always agree with Tim Ryan's issues, he's 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 I would say he's I don't say say he's far left, but he's definitely left and I I admire him for running for Speaker of the House against Nancy Pelosi.
1: Mhm.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a hard uh, thing. Like He basically is essentially kicked out of the house after that.
1: Right. For sure. All right. So I think one other thing that I'll bring up is in these elections, okay, these types, uh, you know, every two years, right, whether it's midterms or presidential, you usually see three types of momentum coming in for mm-hmm. one party or the other. Not every election. I'm talking a momentum election, right? You see... Which I would say is about 80% of the time, you see a one to two point bump from what you see in polling on election day. So if Blake Masters is down one right now uh, and he's continuing his momentum surge, you could see him winning by a point. See what I'm saying? It's like a one or two point swing, right?
0: Right. I'm predicted The Arizona race is pretty even 50-50. Like- right. Actually, it's 54 cents Republican, 50 cents Democrat, which is weird that it doesn't end up to 100. Then there's about 19% of the time you see
1: some wild swing where it goes not one to two points, but two to five points. All right. That's like 2014 midterms under Obama, 2010 midterms under Obama. Uh, you saw a little bit of this in 2018, but there was also some Republicans actually held and defended a lot more than 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 uh, in the Senate and some of these other places. So, and then there's this rare outlier that happens just every once in a while. I call it the one percent chance, but it goes beyond five points on Election Day, right? The, the the momentum is swinging so big that it it is just missed by everybody, right? And that's a five-plus momentum swing from what you th- believe the out, uh, the results are going to be. And so the question to me is, is this a one-to-two-point momentum swing in the last, you know, we, we've seen over the last three to four weeks, is it a two-to-five-point swing or is it a five-plus? Five-plus is very rare. Like, I've only seen it once or twice in my life. So you've got to kind of think about that. You, you were seeing you know, is maybe the five-point swing happened already in the Blake Masters-Mark uh, Kelly race, right? It went from nine to even, nine points down to even, right? But if, if he wins, that, that if uh, Blake Masters wins, that, that's a massive swing in over, you know, just over six weeks. A, a couple other things, I, I took some... So I was thinking about this before. The, a Wall Street Journal poll came out today the best party to handle inflation, Republicans are plus twenty-one on that. Also, wow. in that same Wall Street Journal poll came out today, um, there has a, been a twenty-six point swing away from Democrats to Republicans since August, amongst two sets of voters. I mean, you know, combined Latinos and women, suburban white women. That's not typically the Republican swing, right? The Republican swing is either college male educated uh, or white college or non-college educated. And so to see these swings, I mean, it's it's a big tsunami. It feels like heading into- Why have women swung so much? The number one concern among voters right now is crime and safety, inflation, and immigration
0: and where where does um like you know there's been all sorts of things issues in the past few months that have been very important yep. uh like like pro choice pro life yep it's it's it is important it's not
1: the most important and if they're going to the voters are going into the polls on election day they go yeah i'm pro choice but this country's falling apart and right now pro choice isn't important is uh, uh you know the safety of my family uh taming crime in the streets but listen here here's an, here's what i mean let let me just give you a a real example in the state of Oregon, where a lot of this sort of, uh, defund the police and Tifa has been going on since the pandemic inside Portland, they're about to elect their first Republican governor. And oh God, I hate to think about it. I don't even know how long it's been, but the Republican is about to win the governorship of fricking Oregon. That's insane to me.
0: Still feel pretty close unpredicted actually. Uh, but you think it's a, do you think it's a done deal?
1: I think the Republicans are going to win the state. She's been leading for a couple of weeks now. And that, that feels stronger than someone surging at the last minute that may not surge, right? Because a lot of these states, the early voting has already started. I mean, a lot of these people have already banked a third of their votes. And so when I, here's a couple others. In Michigan, another lockdown, uh, COVID lockdown state, right? Um, a uh, insider advantage poll just came out today. I was just looking at it. It's a likely voter poll, um, and it has the race tied between Gretchen Whitmer and Tudor Dixon. You're kidding, because Predicted has Gretchen Whitmer at like 75 cents. I, I still think the odds are that Whitman. there's like eight poles out right now, right? There's two that are basically tied in six with Whitmer in the lead. That's why you're seeing that in Predicted. But are you seeing a one-to-two shift momentum, two-to-five-point shift, or is this going to be you know, some massive avalanche? And then there's the Nevada governor's race, which is all, I mean, think about the jobs that were lost during COVID, right, in that state, especially in Las Vegas. And uh, the Republicans, Joe Lombardo, or the Republican candidate, there's a, they've had a Democratic governor, and Joe Lombardo is 1,000% going to win. Take it to the bank. He's going
0: to win that race. Uh, Which which state was this again? In Nevada. Nevada governor's race. Let me see if I can find the, um, uh, it's. Uh, they don't have they don't have that market here for some reason
1: and so i'm saying if you look at some of these states that went heavy on lockdowns went heavy on uh defund the police look what did uh, did you see the uh, new york poll that came out today for the first time ever all right um, Zeldin is, is is I think he's completely tied with is it I, I can't pronounce her name Hockle the New York governor's race James, yeah the Republican is now tied and by the way Lee Zeldin who is the Republican candidate he was down twenty points two months ago, and so what you're seeing is people are finally starting to pay attention to everything that they're trying to pay attention to everything not just abortion that pops up because of the Supreme Court and then it fades right. It's not that abortion isn't a big issue. It is. That's why every Democrat's running on it. Unfortunately, there are bigger issues to fry. And voters, look, even if Lee Zeldin doesn't win in New York, the fact that in a poll he's tied in the state of New York is total craziness to me. That should never happen in a in a liberal democratic state like that. Well, what happened when George Pataki won for governor of New York? It's and not he was the a same. I, I listen. Pata- when was Pataki governor? Nineteen ninety six to two thousand four. Yeah, around there. Yeah. And who's been? Has there been a Republican since? No. No, eighteen years. And is New York more conservative or more liberal
0: since then? Uh, it's definitely more liberal. Right. And look, even Pataki, he wasn't like a right wing no. conservative. And, yeah. and before that, it was Nelson Rockefeller was governor of New York, and he was a And uh, you also governor. had uh, Al D'Amato as
1: the senator uh, from, yeah. you know, 1980 to whatever, 2002, whatever he was in. So what I'm saying is it's not the same state. It's more liberal. And that's because—and think about this it's even crazier. The, P, the exodus out of New York City and the exodus out of the state of New York during COVID to go move somewhere with whatever, more ability to have more freedom, Right have more space, more just to get out. These are voters that typically would probably be willing to vote Republican from time to time. So the people that are left are the ones that said more masks, more mandates, more everything, right? Or maybe not. Maybe they just weren't, they didn't have choices like other people. And now they are about to exercise their choice. And that doesn't mean Zeldin will win. But for him to be this close, it's pretty
0: crazy. Wow, so what's, What trend has surprised you the most in the past few weeks? Um, You know,
1: about two weeks ago, they said, you know, there's this big, it was the first time it was like red alert with all the the media. Oh my God, the Republicans are out of this, out of a sudden going to, you know, they're, they're winning every race. Right. Um, And I thought, Ooh, that's the kind of story you want told three days before the election, not three weeks. Right. Because now you're given the opposition, the Democrats, Three weeks to making a, a case that don't do that, right? And they've got time, and they're going to have money, and they're going to spend it. And you've even said this the last time we talked in September. They they have vastly outspent Republicans in this election cycle. It's not even close, right? Um, really, but, I
0: didn't I, I didn't know that because you read the stories. Like again, you have JD Vance versus Tim Ryan, and it seems like JD Vance outspent uh, Tim Ryan.
1: Well, yeah, that's that. There are cases, sure, but on the on the. It, on the aggregate or the whole, they've outraised Republicans significantly. Uh, JD, I mean, um, Blake Masters, even though he's been funded al- also by Peter Thiel's super Pat, um, but he's been outraised like, I mean, it's something like five or 10 to one in his campaign. Wow. And so the fact that these races, even though the Republicans are being outspent, says a lot, right? And so I'm thinking, oh, Democrats got a lot of money. They got three weeks to go. You're going to see this thing tighten. And what we've actually seen is the numbers have even held or even started to move even more towards the Republican candidates around the country. And so it's a fascinating, fascinating moment uh, as we go into to Tuesday.
0: So I know this is a specific question, but how many GOP Senate seats do you think we'll see after these elections? Great question. I'm going to give you a nuanced answer, mm-hmm. not to avoid the uh,
1: question. I, I mean, no, if, I you're, mean it's a if you're kind of going to put my, a gun to my head, I say 52 or 53 Republican, uh, Republicans in the, in the U.S. Senate. But there are two factors that I think everybody's got to pay attention to. And I mark this down because if it happens, you, hear it, you heard it here first. One is that in Georgia, the state you're in, there's a good chance that it that Herschel or Warnock doesn't get to fifty percent, and if the because there's a third party candidate on the ballot, and if it doesn't get to fifty percent, we got to go to a runoff, and that's in another month. So we may not know. Right uh, in Pennsylvania, they have already been saying that don't expect election results to be finished on election night. That it could be a week before you get final election results you know i live in the state of florida we're going to have our election results done by about 8:30 eastern time or or 9:30 eastern time like an hour after the polls close they're done they've got it the fact we have a state that can't count their votes for up to a week is insane to me then you're going to see total chaos the stuff that everybody's dreading is what you're going to see because if Republicans can get to 51 on election night without Pennsylvania and Georgia, there, there's going to be a little air let out of the balloon. But if it's 50 Republicans and then these two races will decide whether the Democrats or the Republicans control the Senate, everything you've dreaded, everything yeah. you've dreaded from from – the civil war scenario. Uh, everything you've dreaded. From By the way, James, you'll have to see 7 million more political ads for the next month. Um, the, there will be voter fraud charges out of Pennsylvania. There will be voter fraud charges out of Georgia. There will be protest. There will be chaos. There will be violence. There will be all of these things. And no one's talking about this yet. But that's what I would say that I'm looking at and going, if Republicans get to 51, then a little of that air is let out of the balloon. There will still be a big fight. There'll still be a lot of chaos. But if Georgia and Pennsylvania are not decided on election night and it is 50 Republicans now and 46 Democrats, two independents, and then these two races decide the Senate, oh my God, it is It is going to be bad. It is going to be bad. Bad for our country, bad for our culture, bad for everything.
0: Where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlson, the best chess player ever, playing chess. But it was four plane rides, like to get to the city that of ultimately I would go to. So I really did not want to fly for fourteen hours, and they they were willing to pay for everything for me. so i I at first class, so I didn't want to fly for fourteen hours and not be first class. So I had to hurry up and get on the phone immediately I agree with you. Like nobody needs a a worse variation of 2000, you know, when it was Al Gore versus W and all the fighting and, and, you know, bitterness that happened there, this would be 10 times worse. And 10 times, but you know, I feel Pennsylvania, I don't even (laughs) think of Dr. Oz as Democrat or Republican. Like he's just Dr. Oz. (laughs) Like if you told me he was running as a Democrat, I would be like, okay, that makes sense. Also. Totally. and and Fetterman just doesn't seem qualified at this point, you know, and I'm not and by the way, this is not like an endorsement or anything again like for for you know for all these races, are these really the two best people in the entire state to be representing that state? Probably the answer is they wouldn't even make the top one thousand <laughs> but The reality is people know who Dr. Oz is. He's a celebrity. He's kind of been a moderate celebrity. I mean, he's kind of been an in the middle celebrity for middle class America for decades. And Fetterman is sort of like this unknown guy. Like if you were to ask me point blank, who would win? I would automatically say Dr. Oz, regardless of party. What's the issue against him?
1: I mean, it's just a, it's a very, you know, we don't, you know, there are states that we call purple states. There are, Red and blue combined, right? So they kind of swing both ways. But Pennsylvania has been a pretty good blue state for a long time, even though they have in the state house or the state senate, I think they have a Republican majority. They have this Republican senator, Pat Toomey, who's retiring. And, um, but, you know, they've had some Republican governors in the past, but it's Trump won it in 16 and came pretty close, you know, um, to winning it in 20.
0: And Dr. Oz is like a New Yorker. Like he's like a liberal, you would think someone from New York has more, he's going to attract a more liberal audience, whether he's a Republican or not.
1: I don't know. It just, this is a very difficult uh, state to predict.
0: And sadly, Fetterman had a stroke that was very obvious in the debate. Now that doesn't disqualify him. You know, I have strong feelings for, for him and his family that I hope he's okay, but I don't think people want to vote for that for someone who's, you know, not necessarily mentally, we don't know what his mental status is. Well,
1: Oz's numbers have gone completely up since that debate. And people that were on the fence or had supported Fetterman, you know, maybe tepidly supported Fetterman, have said I, he's not prepared to be a senator. And again, that's because, you know, I mean, I keep going back to who are these people that put them out on stage? Isn't this some sort of abuse that they're being forced? And maybe he has the faculties to make his own decisions. But well,
0: Fe- I think Fetterman made the decision that hey, people will be you know I care about my state, and people will be sympathetic to my plight, and they'll see that yes, although right. I say words wrong, I I all my decision making faculties are there, and 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 they'll feel sympathetic towards me.
1: Maybe he has a chance to to get off of the ballot in August. You know, and 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 have a replacement. And he decided not to do that. And he knew that he couldn't re- or you know listen to questions and answer them. He had to read it on a screen. He knew he had the issues. This is, you know, we're talking almost three months before that debate. He, yeah. you know, he had the stroke before the primary, before the primary, and he didn't say anything. So, I mean, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, like. You know, Democrats, I mean, they, they just like Republicans, put themselves in, in terrible positions sometimes. Well, this is one of those as well that's not helping the Democrats at all.
0: Well, uh, predictit.org, uh, which party will win the Pennsylvania Senate race? They have Republican over Democrats 62 to
1: 43. Yeah, I, I think that's fair right now. That's fair. One of the things we didn't talk about just happened um, is the, uh, in the Arizona Senate race, this Mark Kelly, Blake Masters race. Just today, the Libertarian candidate dropped out. Oh really? And endorsed Blake Masters.
0: And the last
1: poll that, that I,
0: Peter Thiel is largely libertarian, and you know maybe they had a conversation. <laughs> I don't know, but the last poll that
1: I saw had—I'm trying to—I was looking at the numbers. I think the libertarian candidate was getting two point seven percent of the vote. Now here's the thing: this libertarian candidate still is on the ballot. He's not off the ballot. So, and if you've already voted in Arizona, it doesn't really matter. So maybe you voted for him already, right? But as we go into the last few days of the election, the remaining voters, if they see the news, it may sway thousands of votes. And if that's the case, and this race is as tight as the polling says it is, that's probably going to help Blake Masters.
0: Trying to see. So you're saying Oregon governor's race, Republican. Yeah. New York governor's race. Probably Democrat, but I- interesting nonetheless. Well, I mean, just today there's a
1: poll coming out at 40, have it at 45 45. Wow. Well, what about Wisconsin governor's race? I haven't. Uh, I know the Republican, uh, I think the Republicans leading, but I, I can't remember. I, this is one, that's one I just haven't paid attention to. And have you paid
0: attention at all to the LA mayor's race? And the reason why I think no. that's important is because, Tell me about it. of course, that's traditionally Democrat. But crime is such an issue. Crime, taxes, economy is such an issue in L.A. So you have Karen Bass, uh, versus, who's a Democrat, versus yep. Rick Caruso, who's a, a billionaire. Rick Caruso spent like $80 million versus Karen's $11 million on a mayoral race. And Karen Bass has been winning the entire time and maybe is still ahead, but Rick Caruso is moving up fast in the polls. What does the betting market say? Seventy-two cents to thirty-one cents. Karen Ooh. versus Rick Russo. But my 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 thinking, and I'm betting on Karen Bass uh, to win. But Rick Russo has been moving up fast, and he's spending a lot of money. Yeah, I taught you
1: know I, I actually uh, sat down about two years ago with Doctor Drew
0: as he thought about running. <laughs> oh yeah, he yeah. should have run. Yeah, that yeah. would have fit. You know, it's 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 weird. it's very interesting. Actually, I know he should have run. These- I told him he should have run for governor, but he didn't. He he could he has the name to run for governor, and you know he would have he would have had a good case. I don't know when Gavin Newsom is up for governor or whatever, but right now, oh, I didn't even know that. There, who's no. running against? No,
1: him? I think so. I, I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I have no idea. I'm not paying attention to California. So, but but uh, obviously, Dr.
0: Drew has the name, and, and this is a weird race where you have people like you know Dr. Oz, Herschel Walker, JD right. Vance, who wrote one of the most popular books in history, "Hillbilly Elegy." Yep. Like all these, like you know, quasi celebrities or celebrities are, are are running. And this is like an I think this is a, actually a good trend. Like mm-hmm. it shouldn't like people are always complaining, oh God, politicians suck. It's business as usual. But it's good for other people to realize they have a voice also. Now, those other people now happen to be celebrities and who who cares what celebrities think. But I'm hoping for a day when anybody can run and you don't necessarily need like $150 million to run. But uh, you know, so far that part hasn't happened.
1: No, I mean, you're, you're pulling out all the outliers, James. I mean, I, I'd push back and say the vast majority of candidates don't have, are not able to self fund the vast majority. Yeah. And that's they have probably. to go raise the money and which is one of the hardest things to do in politics. It's so hard.
0: Yeah. That's the entire job really of being a candidate is raising money. That's right. And then, cause then everything is just nobody, people only actually see you on debates And not that, I mean, as a percentage of voters, how many people go to see the candidate? How many people see the candidate in person?
1: It's a really good question, but it's a very small percentage. That's why I always laugh because um, in the 2012 presidential campaign, people are like, Mitt Romney has never gotten crowds like this. Or, you know, no Republican candidate has ever had crowds like this at a presidential rally. These are the biggest crowds ever. They want to defeat Obama. Don't believe the polls. And then he got blown out, right? Uh, Yeah. And then you saw the reverse happen, which was Trump was having these massive crowds in 16. And everybody said, yeah, yeah, we've done those. Cr- we know crowds don't work. That was the big argument back then. And then what happened? The crowds worked. So I don't know. Again, you know, one of the things we, uh, I, a couple, th- this is the last thing I, I, that was top of mind. And then I'm happy to answer any other questions, but that I would, you know, l- ask the people that are listening right now to think about, right? We talked about this in September that there is sort of this submerged voter that they used to have a bumper sticker on their car. Or they put a yard sign out uh, for their candidates. And then because of the Trump, you know, I'm talking about Republican side, that they're that because of Trump now, you know, they're, they're afraid they're going to get canceled or uh, vandalized or whatever. And they just took those signs up, but they, they still express their opinion by 2020. And now they just don't even express their opinion anymore, but they're going to vote and they're not, on the polls, like they're not showing up in polling that how big is that number? How big is that submerged voter that just says, I'm not opening my mouth because I'm going to get in trouble, but I have an anonymous vote and it's going on, on election day in the midterms. You know, um, the, the New York times came out with a poll this week, right? I don't know if you saw this. No, they have Mark Kelly. um, they have Mark Kelly running 15 points ahead of Biden's approval, Warnock at plus 10 Biden approval, uh Fetterman plus seven. They, they got it, it is it is all over the place. It's it's insane to me, right? They also have Herschel Walker getting 7% of the African American vote. Okay. Every other poll that I've seen has Herschel Walker getting between 15 and 25% of the African American vote.
0: So so what's the deal? Like like the New York times, are they just catering to their audience? Like, why don't they have a legit poll? Like, again, I'm not saying one. Poll I'm not, it is right could be legit. Hold on. Let's see what happens on election day. This, this is something yeah. I'm saying. They
1: have Warnock winning, Fetterman winning, Kelly winning. Um, they, they have all these guys winning, right? Um, I They may even have Tim Ryan winning. I, I can't remember.
0: Uh, it's, I think they had
1: one other one, but I, I just can't remember where it is.
0: So by the way, I just want to say again, Tim, uh, both Tim Ryan and J.D. Vance, I really appreciate them both as candidates because J.D. Vance did write an authentic, good book, Hillbilly Elegy. I highly recommend it. And Tim Ryan, who's been on this podcast twice, is just a really great guy. <laughs> he wrote a book on meditation. One other congressman congressmen has written a book on meditation and he ran against the most powerful woman in Washington, Nancy Pelosi, ran against her for Speaker of the House and lost. That's like unspeakable because you're going to get slammed for the rest of your career after that.
1: Yeah, that's right. Okay, so I was wrong. It's not Ohio. They have um, Adam Laxoff losing the Senate race, the one that I tell you that I I absolutely believe Laxalt's going to win. Okay. By the way, Adam
0: Laxalt is a legacy uh, runner. His his dad, Paul Laxalt, Right, ran Nevada like governor right. and senator for decades, like, and he was like Ronald Reagan's best friend. So Adam Laxalt brings that whole family history, right. and he's up.
1: running against um, Masto, which is the uh, she's a incumbent senator in Nevada, Democratic senator. So they have all those going to the Democrats to win, right? They're the only they're the outlier. Some, you know, sometimes like in the Trump sixteen election, there was one outlier, right? So I, I don't know. It's crazy right now. I mean, I'm looking at stuff that I trust, but we'll find out on election day. I don't see how the New York Times poll is right at all. But that's what, and you ask, where does it come from? I oh, believe me, that their foundation of this poll is rooted in turnout 2020. And I don't think they're understanding that not as many people turn out or that people may switch their votes. As as a baseline, right? I think they're going after, you know, in polling, more hardcore Dems based on how they looked at the 2020 election. Uh, Look, everybody's got their own sort of formula that they put into some of these these pollings, these methodologies. So I don't know, but it's so far off from everything we're seeing that I think it's really interesting to look at what they're putting out right now. And your state, again, they have... Herschel Walker getting 7% of the African-American vote. And every other poll I've seen is between 15 and 25. I don't think Herschel gets 25% of the African-American vote, but I think he can get 15 to 20,
0: right? I mean, Warnock's African-American American and Democrat. and But, you know, he's got his own scandals. They both have scandals. Sure. So who is right?
1: Who's right? I don't know. I mean, I I, I have a, a hunch. I've, you've heard me here twice. I, know, I feel this momentum. I've been around since 1996, every single election cycle. So I know what momentum looks like. I knew what it looked like in 2018 when the Democrats came in back into power. I knew what it looked like in 14 and 2010 when we had those midterms and Republicans swept massively, right? I, I, you know, I remember being uh, uh, a uh, junior in college in 1995 and seeing the Republican wave, the Contract with America crew. So there are these crazy wave elections. Typically, when things are as bad as they are in this country right now, the political party in power is going to be annihilated.
0: So, you know, tomorrow, the Federal Reserve's meeting to hike rates, and there's already Mm -hmm. evidence that- Yeah, what do you think? There's deflation happening instead of inflation. Like housing prices declined for the first time, like since the Great Recession uh, in the data last week. Uh, so there's reason to believe the Federal Reserve might not raise rates, but but they probably will raise rates. Do you think that's politically motivated because you know Powell's Republican doesn't want Democrats to see a good stock market in the last week?
1: I don't. I tend to think I I, I I'm hopeful that these people don't make life and death financial decisions for people based on election four or five days away.
0: I, I hope you're, I hope you're right about that. I personally think nobody should be raising rates right now, but and you think they'll raise rates. I think they'll raise rates and I think they'll indicate, you know, cause point, they sort of have to stay face too. Cause they said they were going to raise rates seven, forever. 75 or a whole point. Definitely not a whole point. I'm debating everybody. The, the market's baking in 75. I'm kind of pulling for 50 and, and then they, and then they put on a pause. They say, we're going to wait and see. And the stock market's going to roar after that because you know, upwards. Well, that was was my next question is let's say
1: Republicans get control of the House and Senate. If you were investing, not, you're not telling anybody how to invest. If you were investing though, how would you, would you, would you buy right now and, and, and the gamble that the Republicans take over and the market goes up or what would you do?
0: Well, okay. There's, there's, there's a lot of nuances to the question. Thank you for asking. There's, there's. I would be a buyer right now for several reasons. One is, this bear market started in November of last year. Uh, think of the Great Recession, November 2007, uh, just like November 2021, the market started going down. And even though we hit the, the the worst period in capitalism's history in 2008, the bull market started in March of 2009. So no matter what, this bear market is ending pretty soon within a few months, if not, if not sooner. So that's why I'd be a buyer now, but also deflationary data. We, we know housing prices are a leading indicator of the entire economy. The fact that housing prices are already declining means the fed has already overshot their in in raising rates. They've already done this and they know this, that they, that there is no Yes, there's inflation in food right now, but that's gonna all stop because housing represents 30% of the US economy, all the industries related to housing. If you can't, if nobody could buy a house because mortgage rates are so high, the economy will fall apart. So the, the Federal Reserve knows this. So whether it's this, you know, meeting or the next inflation report or whatever, the market's just gonna start roaring when they sense that the Federal Reserve is on pause. And that's gonna happen sometime this month. Uh, it might've already happened. Actually, it might've happened starting when we got the housing data. And so, so I, I'm a huge buyer right now. I think this bear market is going to be over soon, whether, whether it's fully over, we don't know, but it's going to be over. The fed is going to have to stop raising rates. In fact, they might have to reverse course if there's deflation. And then when we get to the politics, we all know that a deadlocked Washington is good for the market. So when the president is Democrat, and the and the yeah. congress is republican or vice versa the market goes up because better for government to not do anything and for the private sector to do things mm-hmm. that's better for the stock market which is private sector so so regardless of all the political issues just a deadlocked uh system means the wall street goes up now there's some evidence that when the democrats are in power uh stock market goes up but that's not statistically valid i do think on issues related to taxes which a lot of you know stock market investors care about it's better for republicans to be in control of congress but again it's going to be deadlocked because the president has veto power <laughs>
1: One other thing, as weird as it sounds, I'm I'm really curious on your take. I'm sure your listeners are too. What is the market effect of Elon taking over Twitter for you?
0: Uh positive. Because it shows, first off, you know, I grew up I was all my life a Democrat. And the fact and Democrats were the party of free speech. Like we would make fun of people burning books. Yeah. You know, we were the party like. Kurt Vonnegut, you know, when one of his books was being burned by some Republican town or whatever, he wrote a letter, a, a, a passionate letter to that town, and that was like the, the standard bearer letter of the Democratic Party for free speech. The fact that the day after Elon took over, people started tweeting. There, there's there's like a million tweets that just say ivermectin. Yeah, people were like testing it out right. whether they get banned, and I think it's a good thing, well, a couple of things I think twitter as has as Jack Dorsey put it, Twitter has been the public town square. that's where I go for news. That's where I go for information. now it's going to be more reliable. It's also going to be more unreliable, but people are smart. You have to trust people that we're gonna get through this uh, that you can find the right the right information and not just live in an echo chamber also, the fact that anybody was censored at all from Twitter ever is crazy to me. When you have the Ayatollah of Iran, and and I might be misspeaking a little bit, but he said something. He tweeted once something to the effect that the only good Jew is a dead Jew, or something like that. And he doesn't get censored. But the leader of the United States, who I'm not saying I'm positive or negative about, but the fact that a guy, the Ayatollah of Iran, could tweet anything he wants about Jews, not get censored, and and people get censored saying hydroxychloroquine. It just seems whether I agree with that or not, it just seems insane to me. So this has got to be a good trend. Plus, you know, Twitter is very poorly run. I don't know if they've ever made a dime of money. Oh. And I'd like to see a platform, a social media platform yeah. that that really becomes a public town square and not just yeah. uh, an echo chamber. Like yeah, I it- saw the Twitter employees on Joe Rogan explaining their, their methodology and it was just insane. And then and Jack Dorsey was speaking over them because he was kind of embarrassed. And... At least this ridiculousness will end of of censorship, and that's a good trend. Yeah, I'm actually excited to see. I agree with things that are being censored or not? Like, I don't in most cases. But people just, when you have, like, again, the Ayatollah of Iran, I'm using him as an extreme case. uh, He doesn't get censored, but like some professor from Oregon State University does for saying, hey, has anyone checked out ivermectin? Like, that seems insane to me.
1: Yeah, you're talking about Brett Weinstein. Weinstein.
0: No, I'm, I, I'm making that one up. Oh, well, but, I think uh, Brett, that actually happened with Brett.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, I okay. think he was at Portland state or something like that. He was in Oregon, but yeah,
0: I'm with you. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, Peter Burgosians was at Portland state university and was essentially, you know, had to leave the job for ridiculous reasons, unrelated to Twitter, but just in general, this, this trend where people who would be liberal Democrats are being pushed away from right. the, their party because of this, you know, censorship trend from a minority seems crazy to me. Like, like all the information I was having daily Instagram lives about COVID, where I was looking at all the issues back in March, 2020 and April, 2020 and, and, and May, 2020, all the way through July, 2020. And, and it was helping so many people understand the news. I got so many notes and reports and I wasn't being biased. I was saying, some people believe this, some people believe this. Here's the data. Here's the data. I had people on my podcast who were epidemiologists, people who disagreed with each other. Political liberalism is about a group of people coming together, disagreeing, and then forming a consensus where some people might be unhappy at the end of that. That's what liberal really means. Right. And people have forgotten that completely. That's yeah. Sorry, that was my rant.
1: <laughs> I appreciate it. No, I was, I was super curious how you thought about it
0: yeah, and, I, and I'm also just curious
1: to see what Elon Musk does. He's, I mean, yeah, I'm curious he, about what he does for the business model itself, like yeah. how does he how does he's going to make money on it? He, he's going to get a return on his investment. I'm convinced of that. Well, uh, I
0: could see what he's doing initially, which is, first off, he's getting rid of all bots. Like you know, I'm sure some people have lost you know 30 percent of their followers. I've lost about one tenth of one percent of my followers in the past few days, because uh, probably I had some bots following me not yeah you know some people pay for bots i i never did that which is why i only had like a few hundred bots but uh that he's definitely getting rid of the bots i like the fact that he's going to charge for the blue the blue check mark like why should some people be you know i have a blue check mark but to me it seems like this elitist thing where whoever you know because i knew the twitter ceo i got a blue check mark 10 years ago so it seems like an elitist thing to me Uh, i'd rather people i I have one
1: and i only have I don't know thirty six hundred followers, and I have one. I, uh, people get yell at me. How do you get one? And I go, I don't know. I just <laughs> I
0: just deploy. yeah, well, now it'll be clear how you got one. You're gonna pay for it, but he's gonna yeah. charge five dollars a month for it. So right. that'll make Twitter money and the blue check marks will legitimately rise up in the algorithm yep. and and you're not you're if you're a bot, you're not gonna pay five dollars a month probably. No. So you know and, and whatever other verification has to happen. So Did you know, so that would, I
1: don't know if you know this, their, their stock was trading 10 years ago at something like $73. So he got it. I, I understand 10 years of not making money, the stock is not worth what he just paid for it. But 10 years ago, it was 73 bucks or something around there. And so, like, uh, you know, they haven't done anything
0: in 10 years to improve. No, it's pathetic. But, I visited them about... I guess about eight or nine years ago, I spent some time in the office. I hung out with with Dick Costello, who is the CEO. He also wrote the forward to my book, uh, Choose Yourself. I don't think anything has changed on Twitter since then. They've added a few features, like you could subscribe to people's uh, newsletter tweets. I don't know how that works. I haven't done it. But they've hardly added any new features and they've become so important in these elections. And then they've been, you know, the the al- I, I hope Elon Musk makes the algorithm public and how it's changed because I want to see what was done. To to actually, look, people complain about Russia influencing elections. What about the minor employees of Twitter who are working on the algorithm?
1: Like well, that. Just, now I can't think of the name of it. There was a book on the story of Twitter, and um, I think it may have just come out, or maybe it came out a year or two ago. Um, and that's a faci- uh, that's a fascinating story about how all these guys um came together and and created it, and like jack was just like a lowly employee when he started
0: well well okay i'll tell you what happened was ev williams who yeah. sold blogger.com to google yeah. for like he,
1: he went to medium created medium didn't
0: he uh yeah he created medium later so firstly he sold blogger.com in like 2004 to google for i don't know 50 million dollars something like that and then he started um i forgot the name of it a, a software to do podcasting actually and one of his That's employees right. made a platform to send sms messages through the internet to his friends and more and more people started using that and so ev williams said to all his investors look this podcasting thing's probably too early which it was um so i'm going all in on this new thing my employee jack dorsey is doing called twitter and um he he said he offered to buy out the vcs who didn't want to be in anymore and so and all the vcs got out yeah and ev williams bought them all back and and that's how jack and ev williams you know, basically start off Twitter.
1: Yeah, didn't I tell you about that book, uh, about the, the drug runner, the, the like international drug runner. Was it Nick Bilton that wrote that book that you had on? I, I
0: told you you should li- reach out to. Oh, uh, yeah. Did we reach out to him? I forget.
1: Yeah, well, he wrote the book called Hatching Twitter. That's the one I just read.
0: Oh yeah, I've read that book. Yeah, right. Hatching uh, Twitter. It's uh,
1: a true story of money, power, friendship, and betrayal. And yeah, yeah, I've
0: read that book. It was an excellent book. Oh
1: yeah, he uh, yeah Nick wrote the uh, American Kingpin that you had you had him on your show about um uh, that that hunt for the that crazy Australian guy that lived in the Philippines that had the biggest yeah. drug drug running operation in the world.
0: Yeah, the, I mean. The story of Twitter is fascinating because because it's a really great lesson in business, and I think just now the next chapter is being written. I mean, I like that that Elon is going to make people pay for the blue check mark. I like getting rid of the bots. I like uh, if they if he makes the algorithm public. So far, everything I've liked that he understands management efficiency, and so I, look if you look at Notepad, which is the site I created, n o t e p d dot com. It's a little bit of advertising for Notepad. Notepad right now has all hundred percent of the functionality of Twitter, all of the functionality of Twitter, and we have um, integration with two different AI engines: one for text, one that comes up with ideas, one for images. We have this whole thing of idea lists and 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 gamifying that, and and you know keeping track of streaks and and searching other people's ideas. We have this notion of challenges, which is sort of we borrowed from Quora's you know questions, and we, we have all of this functionality, and we've spent less, hardly any money at all. Twitter spends tens of millions a year. How does this even happen? Can they spend it all censoring people? Yeah, it's fascinating. I don't know. It doesn't cost money. Twitter is not rocket science. It does not cost money to run that website. I could tell you that having built websites for 30 years. So I've, yeah, I've been building websites since the, web, since the first web server was made by Tim Berners-Lee. I've been building websites. and. It does. Twitter is an old fashioned. It does not cost money to run that thing, so it's insane what's what's been happening there. So I hope Elon Musk, who t- tends to be, you know, regardless of what I think of him, in other ways, like he tends to be a straight shooter, shooter on business stuff. It's fascinating. So okay, one couple quick questions. I'm gonna yeah. we're gonna do lightning round. Okay. I'm um, uh, and if, it's okay if you don't know these things. I know you're focused on the, the races you're you're running. Kansas governor. No idea. <laughs> no, I, okay. it seems pretty close in the, in the predicted. I'll just, I'll just run through. So New York governor's race, it's seventy eight twenty six. 26. If Republican. you're
1: looking for a good bet, James, the New York governor's yeah. race and the Michigan governor's race, they're probably long shots, but you could make a lot of money if you picked a couple of them and one of them hits.
0: Yeah, I try that there. The odds aren't like Republican is 26 cents. I sort of feel like that's fairly valued because that's hot. Like you point out, that that would be very high for new york like other states are like 96 cents for the governor you know when it's a no brainer so it's not a no brainer what the what predicted is saying is that it's not a no brainer in new york so that strikes me as a fairly valued bet whereas arizona which is 53 cents republican 50 cents democrat that might be an interesting bet if, if knowing where where the trend is and you mean taking you know, the democrat or just taking the republican i might i might take the republican there yeah Kerry lakes
1: going to win that race
0: Uh, Oh no, Arizona Senate race. Oh, 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 the Senate race.
1: I'm sorry. I thought you meant the governor's race. Okay.
0: Yeah. No, I'm, I i do not know what it is. They don't have a market for the, uh, Arizona governor's race. Then there's there's one, you you might not know these, but the closest Senate race in uh, 2022, it's a toss up between Georgia and Nevada. I kind of think it's going to be Georgia anyway. No,
1: I feel like it'll be between Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Arizona will be the, the top three closest races.
0: So maybe, maybe a bet of no on Nevada would be an interesting bet. Cause that's, that pays off 22 cents. Okay. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually losing on my, uh, bet on, on Karen, uh, Bass in LA. I might just take that bet off and put it on one of these other things. Uh, let's see, GOP governors after midterms, you probably don't have a handle on that. Which party will win the house in 2022? It's 89 cents Republican, 12 cents Democrat, but, it's,
1: uh, I mean, it's, a, uh, Republicans are going to win the house. There's, there's, I mean, James. There's something like, I don't know, 38 toss-up races right now in the House, and I think 37 of them favor Republicans right now.
0: And well, so it's an interesting they thing to do that is
1: is flip like five seats, and I mean, I'm my prediction on the House
0: is probably between 30 and 40 pickups. Right. So, so it's interesting because um, I was able to make an interesting bet. Which is that? Rather than bet on who will be, um, you know, which party will win the house, I bet on who will be speaker in the next house. And so, oh, right. so a few weeks ago when we last spoke, we spoke in September. It was seventy nine cents. Republicans would win the house, and so I was thinking, okay, I'll bet on that because it seemed pretty clear the Republicans are going to win the house. But then I saw Kevin McCarthy being the next speaker was only trading at seventy two cents. Really? So it was like a, yeah. Oh so, my god, I should have bet with you. Yeah. So now it's like now he's at 87 cents. It's yeah. more kind of make which makes more sense. So it, it used to be there was a seven cent spread. You were basically betting seven cents that Kevin McCarthy would not die before January. <laughs> right. And now it's a two cent bet that he would not die yeah. before January. Or, or so that, be
1: caught with a live boy or a dead girl.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so 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 that was interesting. Um, I'll just tell you what bets I'm in. Uh, actually I am in the Arizona Senate race, but I'm only up a little on that. Um, uh, the speaker, what I'm up, who will control the Senate after 2022. That one oddly was 48 cents when we last spoke and now it's 71 cents. So people are, now I might actually take that bet off because there is, I think 71 cents is a fair price and now it's a gamble. I mean, Yep. See a so, lot of times you bet on these things in advance, not because you're sure the Republicans right, because are going to see,
1: Yeah, the, it move enough to to take it off the board, right?
0: Right, like forty eight cents. Particularly after our conversation, forty eight cents didn't seem the right number to me, but seventy one cents might be the right number, and I might not want to risk that. I might want to. I might want to bet on the house at eighty nine cents w- becoming Republican because that's completely ridiculous. Uh, and then I bet. I actually lost one bet. This this is how I do my long shots. Just for, for this is a race that you're not interested in at all, but there was, um, let me see if I can find it. Cause it's already paid off. Uh, it all paid off against me. I bet on she not being reelected as chairman of the Chinese communist party. And so I bet on, on that, you know, it was almost a shoe in that he would be reelected, but I bet like seven cents on that I lost. So it's not a big, uh, it's not a big thing. And there was rumors that he was being under house arrest. So right. And I have another long shot. Instead,
1: is- he, he put his uh, former leader, its former, the former, you know, uh, head of the Chinese Party. That you, do you see that where you like removed the guy? Oh my god,
0: that is scary! Like basically, one of the second most important guy in China in the meeting of the Chinese Communist Party, he's suddenly picked up by security, like literally manhandled and escorted out, and is never seen from again. Yep. Um, and then the other only other long shot I have, which I'm going to lose, is Putin president through 2022. Um, so I I I'm about six cents down on that. And I'm probably going to take that bet off. Yeah. Uh, and then the L.A. mayor election winner. I thought that was going to be a shoe in with Karen Bass, <laughs> but Rick Caruso is spending so much money. I'm about ten cents down on that, and I'm, <laughs> I'm probably going to take one off. Interesting. And then I'm just trying to think. I might uh, so uh, based on this discussion today. Uh, I'm already in Arizona. I might bet on Nevada, Adam Laxalt. Uh, I might bet on Georgia. I had, I, I hadn't, I wasn't sure about Georgia, but I felt like Herschel, uh, you know, I watched the debate and I, I watched it twice and I felt Herschel did better than I thought he was going to do. And again, this has nothing to do with my beliefs or anything about Warnock or Herschel, but I thought that a lot hinged on whether Herschel could just you know, behave during the debates. And I think he did. And, and that probably has swayed a lot of votes. Ohio. I just feel like personally, I like both of them. And I mean, I really like Tim Ryan. He's been a great podcast guest and I, JD Vance is a great author. I don't know their political beliefs as much, but I I don't feel like making a bet there. And then I'm not sure what else to, to bet on I mean like I strategy-
1: maybe, maybe in the future, like two years from now, we should come to the table with our picks and then see what the results are after the election.
0: It's true. Although again, I switch bets midterm. <laughs> I play like a stock. No, I'm saying like than-
1: the like the day before or the week before. Like it's like kind of locked down and you can't hedge anymore.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh so then there's some interesting ones. I haven't made any 2024 bets at all, but uh, you know, there's here's a bet. Trump files for president before 2023. I would bet no on that. The no is only 62 cents. I don't think there's any way he files before December 31st. So I might bet on the no there because um, it's, you know, on December 31st, it'll go from 62 cents to uh, a and, dollar. And I mean, unless you have some insight, do you think he would run for, pre- file for I, president? I mean, my before- insight is if you can predict anything um, with the Trump
1: organization or Trump himself, then I think you, you, you're going to have a great advantages, but I don't, I don't have any insight. Like I would never bet one way or the other. Cause it's a total guess.
0: And, um, there's an interesting market where who, uh, who will be, who will be the next president DeSantis or DeSantis or Trump. And they're, they're kind of neck and neck, which is odd that two Republicans will be neck and neck and not a Democrat there for the one, one or two slot. Uh, and then there's an interesting market for the Democrat 2024 presidential nominee. It's definitely too early to call that, but Joe Biden's only at 37 cents and Gavin Newsom's at 16 cents, but it's probably fairly priced. You don't yeah, wanna make- Yeah, I think make... Newsom is a good pick. I'd also, can you do 2028? No, but Newsom no. would be interesting for 2028. No, no matter what.
1: No, I'm not talking about Newsom for 2028. I was thinking Kerry Lake and, and Arizona for 2028.
0: Wow. Okay. Interesting. Uh, um, I think DeSantis is like almost a no-brainer for the nominee, and but you know you can't pick too early because everybody who picks early in every single presidential, they get it all wrong. Like, yeah who who was a who was a front runner in the beginning of any presidential race, Democrat or Republican, in the primaries that ended up went, becoming the nominee?
1: Uh, George W. Bush was he I mean runner? McCain came in and gave him a scare but he was the hands on favorite he look I was I was working in that presidential not I worked for his presidential campaign um after he got the nomination or before he got the nomination but I actually started working with Do, with Dan Quayle in 1999 when he ran and we I mean I was in the middle of that and we were you know, like, we were hamstrung. We couldn't raise money. Bush raised all the money. McCain wasn't raising money. Coyle wasn't raising money. It eventually sucked us dry, and we, we had to drop out. And then I joined the Bush campaign. But at the time, there, as soon as he got in the race,
0: it was over. That's so interesting. Yeah, and I... I... I I knew people who had met him when he was thinking about running, and I wish I'd known you then. But uh, I heard he was very charismatic with everybody. Yeah. He oh, absolutely. He he,
1: everything he did. I mean, I I spent time with him, and it's he's incredible. You know. But you're right. I mean, Clinton never led. Bill Clinton never led in his primary. Obama was down. He
0: came in oh. third in New Hampshire, right? Yeah. Obama uh,
1: when he announced was second to Hillary, right? Um, yeah. And and then. Um, uh obviously i God, i mean maybe romney, but i I don't think so. I think it was a a, a bunched primary um, Trump obviously was not uh leading in sixteen, and then Biden you know wasn't either it was
0: you know no one knew what it was. People just coalesced behind him but yeah I don't even think Reagan in eighty was a was a shoe in because Gerald Ford was always on the horizon,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: And Jimmy Carter was not a front runner at all. Uh, No. Jordan McGovern wasn't a front runner. Uh, Hubert Humphrey was like in eighth place in the beginning of 1968. Uh, uh, You know, there was LBJ versus Eugene McCarthy. In 60, JFK had a hard time against, I think he was probably, he might have been the front runner, but he had a hard time against. Trying to think who was oh he was running against LBJ actually who was who they were like neck and neck. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Eisenhower was up against Robert Taft, who was the mm-hmm. I believe the governor or senator from Ohio at that time, and the son of a former president. Yeah, and Truman in '48 wasn't a shoe in because nobody really liked yeah. him. Uh, yeah, so going all the way back, it's 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 rare to, that the front runner stays the front runner. So, but DeSantis is a very even-keeled. He's like a traditional solid Republican as opposed to uh, Trump. So, uh, and on the Democrat side, though, it's unclear because of Biden, you know, Biden's, other than his mental acuity, like forgetting about that, just we're having a hard time right now as a country. I, and- I mean, but- I, I my
1: bet is he's not running, not running. And then Gavin Newsom and Kamala and um, Buttigieg would be the would be battling it out
0: wow you think buddha buddha uh what what about aoc she's she's probably gonna run i don't know i just i mean i i don't know on that side as much as i
1: am aware of my side but um yeah i don't know i mean look uh in in 2005 uh a guy that i went to this old dude i went to church with in washington dc said hey i want to take you to lunch and there's this Guy just moved to Washington D.C. He wants to break into politics. He works on the Democratic side. Uh, would you would you have lunch with him and give him advice? I said sure.
0: We went to the Palm in Washington D.C. and it was Pete Buttigieg. Wow, and and <laughs> okay, so so that but that's interesting. That was 2005. It was 17 years ago. Yep. All he's done since then is be mayor. Yeah. Well, and now he's Secretary of Transportation. I know because he did he did a good job. Running for president, I think he ran a mm-hmm. well balanced campaign. And of course, the day of the the day before the South Carolina primary, he drops out, endorses Biden, which essentially crushes Bernie Sanders, who was winning the primaries in twenty twenty. Yeah. And Biden owed Buttigieg, so Buttigieg did the right thing for an ambitious person. Now, now he has a real title; he's right. in, in the cabinet as opposed to being mayor. So, yeah, he could he could run, although. It begs the question, in, in his first 15 years after he met with you, all he could do was become mayor. How come he didn't go for more? He ran for mayor
1: and lost. So that was one of the reasons. So he had to stay in South Bend and run again four years later. So he you know lost four years. I think, I can't remember if he ran in 07 or 09 um, and lost. And then
0: he, he came in and, and won. You know, Phil, how come you don't get these guys on your podcast? Like, get get Dan Quell on your podcast. Get Pete Buttigieg on your podcast. Uh,
1: yeah, we're gonna reboot my podcast. It's been fun. I mean, I've had you. I've had uh, Peter Diamandis. I've had Doctor Drew on. Um, I've had uh, Jay uh, Jay Abraham. I've had Keith Cunningham. I think Keith Cunningham is the greatest guest other than you, James. Uh, I've had, I've had our uh, our mutual friend. Uh, oh. Damn it, the, the writer for Vanity Fair or Esquire, um, Cal, Cal Fussman. I've had oh, Cal, yeah, love Cal. Cal, Gosh, I Cal Fussman on, and he was telling stories all the time. I mean, it's uh, – so I've had uh, – I've only had my friends on. That's it.
0: Yeah, and, and, and a lot of those people, are, including myself, are kind of like traditional podcast guests. Yeah. But like Dan Quell's never been on a podcast, and – where is he now? He's running Cerberus Group, the private equity group. Yeah. He's, been, he's become a, he, he went from being a hundred millionaire to a multi-billionaire. A, it's, it's really a good president. idea.
1: I never thought about that. Uh, yeah, I'm going to reboot at some point, but really, I've mean, had Tucker, our boy Tucker on, but... but Tucker's uh, a great guest. Yeah, Tucker's yeah, Tucker the best Matt. guest. But I'm, um, yeah, I I just wanted to do two years worth of my friends because I've, I've got a lot of interesting friends with interesting stories and I wanted to tell those. So it's the under well, Marketing Podcast,
0: if anybody listens. Well, Phil, and we've basically—did we meet because of this podcast? No, Tucker introduced us, but because of the podcast, he yeah. thought I should have you on the podcast yeah. for your book. Yeah, yeah, because you wrote a book through we Scrab. Well, I am so glad we met. I mean, we've become very good friends. We've we've visited each other and and have had countless discussions outside of this podcast. And you're always such a great guest. I get such incredible insights. And I've loved politics since I was a tiny little kid. Like I visited the white house when i was 12 years old i went to the democratic national convention in 1980 i i've just been a big follower of the game of it we've never talked about that but that's a very famous convention
1: because ted kennedy tried to like you know overthrow the delegates and win the race at the convention over carter
0: yeah you know i could I, well, we could I'll, I'll, we could talk about that on uh, on either my podcast yeah. or your podcast. It was a very interesting race because Ted Kennedy was winning in the polls in in the primaries, but then he had a bad interview on. I think. Well, they asked or- him, "Why are you yeah.
1: running for president?" He couldn't answer it.
0: <laughs> he didn't have an right. answer. <laughs> Which you know, okay, he should have been prepared for that now. But the reality is, uh, there's a lot of reasons he's he's running. Obviously, like his his brothers were running. He 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 was the leader of the Senate essentially. Um, but he also, it was complicated for him because of Chappaquiddick, but by the time of the convention, he had no chance, even if he was trying to overthrow, I had these, um, STOP buttons, stop Teddy on presidency. Did you? Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And I, but I got, I got in the, I got in the floor, like a friend of mine was at, in the Democratic National a friend, I was 12 years old, but I would call these people all the time. And until finally someone would say, let me in on the floor. And so I was interviewing like Chip Carter, Tip O'Neill, like on the floor of the of the convention. <laughs> and I was what doing my podcast back then. And then, you know, even nineteen eighty-eight, I was like a fan of Gary Hart, actually. Yeah. Uh uh, but he he blew it with monkey the, business. You know, yeah, the, yeah, the whole thing. And then um, but I liked Dukakis as well. So, mm. you know, I was I I didn't start leaning Republican. I don't know if I ever, I'm, I don't know if I'm a Republican now. I'm I'm really nothing. No, I mean, you're independent. We,
1: we've had long talks. You, you're commonsensical, and that could be on either side, depending on, on where that politician lands.
0: Out, out of all the political guests I've had on, I do think the most even-keeled actually was Spike Cohen, who was the vice presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party in 2020. And he was just really just a smart guy. Yeah. Uh, and I loved having Tim Ryan on, but I've had plenty of Republicans on yeah. too. I've had Ron Paul. I've had on Jane Smith, who was the governor of Massachusetts. Uh, oh, I've, yeah. had a, I've had a bunch of Republicans and Democrats on.
1: Uh, well, but anyway, it's, Bill, uh, it's shaping up to be interesting on Election Day. I'm super, uh, you know, if you know where I feel.
0: So we'll see what happens. I'm I'm excited, and I'm I'm gonna let you get going now because I gotta change all my bets I'm predicted before <laughs> going to the dentist. But Phil, I super appreciate it, and we got to figure out how to bet on these things in size so I can raise money for a political betting hedge fund, which, by the way, is much more interesting to me than a stock market hedge fund, which is all rigged. This is not rigged.
1: No, it's not rigged, but we have some inside information.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and inside information is legal. In a a betting market like this, inside information is legal, so these aren't securities. Oh, I totally forgot, James. We got to talk
1: about like if this is a red momentum, crazy red momentum election then there are three races we talked about them in september they're going to come back into play they are the senate race in washington state they just had a poll that basically had the race tied this is an incumbent democratic patty murray who has been there forever against uh tiffany Smiley. has her overwhelmingly at 86 cents right so you're saying something has happened in the last week in that race and i'm not saying she's going to win tiffany smiley i'm saying something's happened where the momentum has swung drastically um, you're looking at New Hampshire. New Hampshire has gone up and down and up and down and up and down. It has to be sort of that plus five momentum race, right? And then there's the Colorado Senate race, um, which I also think has the opportunity to slip, switch from Democrat-Republican if it's a massive red wave. So there are three outlier races to pay attention to that I would tell you if there is a massive red wave, one or two of those could go Republican. And then you could see... 55 seats for Republicans. That's
0: on the very, you know, very right end of that though. Wow. All right. Well, Phil, thanks so much. And I really appreciate it once again. Good seeing you guys.